We gotta go to the bullpen. And welcome, baseball fans, to one of our favourite Highland bullpen episodes of the year. Yes, we're only hours away from MLB London. We are bullpen bros. We're watching the Cardinals taking on the Cubs and getting to see view live baseball action. For us on this side of the pond, it doesn't get much better than that. And so, with little further ado, I'll introduce the rest of the bullpen bros. We have tonight a full house, a full card. We have Yorkshire Dave. We've got Dave Jr. And kicking us off with some reflections on the Tigers' recent run, it is Alan. Thank you, Richard. Good to catch up, lads. And excited to see you in the upcoming weekend for the, the Cubs and the Cardinals. So, I, I probably come here tonight with my tail a little bit between my legs, although we did sort of talk about it in the last episode. The Tigers were, were shooting well. They were just missing 500. Uh, and seemed to be on a good run of form after the disastrous start the season, and we were we were contemplating the possibility of them winning the AL Central, uh, which, to be honest, no one else really seems to want to to do that. But um, uh, Scottish football fans will be synonymous with the fact that we then achieved nine in a row, um, and like uh, our our football teams, they didn't couldn't quite make ten, but unfortunately, that nine in a row was nine defeats. In a row, um, we had talked about injuries, and they've certainly piled up in Detroit. We had talked about the schedule being tougher. I think uh, Dave Junior was quite happy to point that tougher schedule coming out, and probably thinking, "Well, they're playing the White Sox soon, so what, what on earth could happen?" Um, so yeah, it's sort of gone the way that we might have expected. Certainly not the way I hoped, but. Obviously, for us, these games are generally played overnight. And one of the things I do when you wake up in the morning is you pick up your phone, you log in to see what the score is. Um, and, yeah, you see the score first. And underneath that, there's the headline and the synopsis, the, the synopsis of the game. And you'll be well used to writing up game summaries and game reporting, Richard, through your, your time. Um the one thing that struck me during this run, and I probably sort of noticed it before, was pretty much most games, um, until you get to the eighth or ninth defeat, the headline is always quite positive. We've got things like McKinstry launches Turan Homer, uh, clean shaven Rogers belts out a pair of homers. Um, similar with the pitchers coming in and starting pitchers going deep into the, the game and what have you. And if you read that headline and you're a football fan, you'd be thinking, yeah, he launched that two-run homer and that must have been the game-winning game, game winning hit. But, of course, they get beat. <laughs> um, and that two-run homer possibly means that it was 7-2 instead of 7-0. So I, I just thought it was interesting. I'll give you a couple of ideas in, in my head as to what's going on there and it'd be good to get your own thoughts. But it is a team game. Does this highlight perhaps the individual nature of the sport, where there's a lot of individual glory, individual records, individual responsibility there? And does it also possibly reflect that individuality moving through to one of my favourite topics, stats, and that you can get beat, but you're you're on a good run, your stats are going well, um, 
and that seems to be good. We 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 love a striker who scores goals, even when their team are get is getting beat, and we we we'd look up to them. But let's face it, the old adage of patting somebody on the back for scoring a goal, the the commentator's always he's always going to come back and say it's a team game, and my goal means nothing. And just at times not getting that sense in baseball. So. Yeah, Dave, Dave Jr., what, what are you thinking on that? Well, actually, Alan, you're absolutely perfect, as always. I've said this for years. How much do you? So I'll come back. I will answer your question, and I hope that in doing so, I'll give a good example as well. So my White Sox played the Mariners um, this week, Richard's Mariners. And again, perhaps a bit more chat on, on our teams but, uh, later on. But during one of the White Sox games against the Mariners, um, again, who who won the series 2-1, I believe. Um, again, all, all games felt quite close. And our pitcher, Lance Lynn, who struggled so far this season, he's not had a great season. He played for Team USA uh, in the, the kind of world series. Sorry, in the world version. Um, Lance Lynn equaled a, a Chicago White Sox all-time strikeout record. Uh, just last week, so he managed to notch 16 strikeouts, which nobody, nobody's gone past 14 in the entire MLB this year. And um, so 16 is clearly a massive number, uh, not only across baseball but for the White Sox, and uh, that it was the most ever. Sorry, tied is the most ever. We lost the game 5-1. So Lance Lynn was absolutely furious after the game. You know, I think the type of man that he is. He was angry at himself that he hadn't been better. Um, he did go eight innings, which is, again, fantastic in this day and age as a pitcher. Uh, I think when he left the game, we might have been 2-1 down. We were uh, down, and I think the actual the loss went against his his name. But when you consider Alan's question earlier of individual glory, but you know, with the team ethic losing out, that's a perfect example, I think, where you've still lost the game. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean anything because that particular day, the offence didn't show up for the White Sox. And although Lance Lynn might look at that day as his best ever pitching performance of his career, it meant nothing. It's like scoring a hat-trick in a 4-3 defeat in football. Um, it doesn't really come down to anything. So, um, no, that, that was my little takeaway from last week, but it feeds in nicely with, with what Alan was saying there. I'm not sure if... Um, if those records mean anything to the guys or Lance Lynn's performance or similar type examples. It's a great example. Dave Jr. is one of the many reasons I'd love to talk to a professional baseball player, a former professional baseball player, just to ask them on those days where you have a standout pitching performance or where you you hit two home runs and, and your team still loses the game. Just how much do you, do you look back fondly on that individual achievement against the fact that Professional sportsman at that level, it's all about winning or losing uh, at the end of the day. Yorkshire Dave, what, what do you reckon in terms of, do you reckon they, are, they celebrate the personal or do you think it's the, the WRL that matters? Yeah, it's a bit of both, isn't it? Um, I think they do recognise in baseball that it's a very unusual sport in as much as teams, all my, you know, a successful team may be just a team that has three or four wins more than losses. So, um, you know, I think they take defeat quite philosophically. And the reason why they concentrate on 
a positive or a good thing that's a good achievement from one of their players in a defeat is that, you know, they know it's almost a 50-50 game, isn't it? You know, you look at you look at the standings and um, top of the division in the AL Central, you've got a team that, um, well, they're actually winning tonight beating the Red Sox, but, you know, they were top of that division with a losing record briefly, I think. You know, um, so it is it is an unusual sport from that point of view. And but there's always some good performances within that defeat, which may um, you know, if your pitcher performs well but your offense doesn't produce the the runs, then that's still a positive because you know he'll be pitching again in five days' time. So yeah, I think that's the way they look at it. It uh, it gets less. Positive when you go on to uh, the sort of fans' uh, podcasts and things like that. So you will get, you know, positives from the MLB writers who are assigned to that club. But yeah, there's some of the podcasts I listen to, uh, the Red Sox, they're <laughs> less than positive, even though the Red Sox have a, a winning record. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple, a couple of things struck me when you guys were talking through there, because um, you talk about Lance Lynn, and it, it does happen, but it's obviously fairly rare, but a starting pitcher is doing well going five, six innings. So the, the guy is potentially only going to play two-thirds of the game, and, and you could leave with a 1-0 lead, but that will evaporate in seconds um, going into the later game. So you can see how it is positive. Um, the guy couldn't do any more so yeah how, how frustrated can he be mm-hmm. he, he's done his job we don't in football we don't take the goalkeeper or the striker off you you'd take a striker off when you're four nil up and you want to get some other guy the chance to get a bit of confidence going dave yeah i think something i've noticed as well a bit of a contrast between football or um i can't remember if it was dave or richard earlier alluded to how the sport is very individual but Something in football, if you think about a run of losses, if you interview the manager, the captain, the players, they all tend to take responsibility. Something that I found in baseball, they do reflect on their own units quite a bit. So yeah. when it came to, they were talking about the pitching in that particular game, and I was thinking about in football, if your goalkeeper conceded three or four, the striker may turn around and say, ah, oh, normally... You know, Allen would keep those out the net and he's, he's he's a good goalie. But in baseball, they tend to say, well, Allen is a bit of a stinker today. He really needs to step up for tomorrow. And I've noticed that because in that particular uh, example, they interviewed one of the other starting pitchers and he said, well, the offence let us down on the day. Um, Lance has gave that great performance and our offence just didn't back him up. But conversely, I've heard the same pictures talking about our offence were in fire today. We just couldn't keep the door shut. So I think they are quite honest, not in a brutal way, but they are quite honest about their own unit and what the, I always mm. think about the three different areas, you know, the bullpen, the starting pitchers and the offence or defence as well, if you want to add that in. They are quite siloed in terms of what they bring to the game. Yeah, yeah. It's, I suppose that's interesting, like with football, your 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 strikers, your forwards, have to do defending at times. But in baseball, the guy's fielding in the outfield, or he's pitching. 
Um, and that, so he, he's not, he's not, you're not allowed to shift. <laughs> you can't move from one area to the other. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that, that possibly contributes to the silo and yeah, they're, they're doing their own thing. The other thing that struck me as well, and you touched on it, was like the stats. So the number of, um, the number of, uh, strikeouts that, that Lance Lynn had as well. It, I mean, that's one of the great things. I think it's one of the reasons why we love baseball. There's always a record to be beaten. There's always somebody, and somebody's always got the stats and it appears within seconds. Um, and, and the one, was it? The, so the Tigers had the nine-game losing run. The Reds, they did at least a 10-game winning run. But there was some sort of crazy stat that in that 10-game winning run, they had fewer hits and fewer walks than their opponents combined. So the one of the stats things I followed said there's been over 100,000 instances of MLB teams going a 10-game run where that happens. And that's going to happen on a fairly regular occurrence. But this was the first time in Major League Baseball history that a team with that losing record on hits and walks had actually won every game, which is actually pretty crazy. Um, it's good production from the guys. They're they're making good use of what they're actually taking. So, um, that's it. There, there's the stats. There's the yeah. So it's fascinating stuff, and it it diverted my mind away from the Tigers' run of nine defeats in a row. As I just sort of thought, let let's delve into another uh, thing that we can love and contemplate about Major League Baseball. Absolutely. And on the subject of stats and history being made, I think last time we were at MLB London, uh, I think if we weren't, we didn't make history very close to it in terms of the length of one of the games, I remember. And we also had an absolute home run fest as well. So uh, let, let's hope for as much excitement this time round. And I'll be honest, this is one of my favourite time of the year, but only, as I say, hours away uh, from getting to enjoy life. MLB action. So, yeah, Dave Jr., are you just as excited as, as I am about MLB London? I am, and I hope you don't mind me. I know we, we the listeners might not realise, but we actually do have a bit of an agenda that we do run to, but something that came off the top of my head when you're talking about individual records, a guy's name that's not been mentioned in at least five minutes, um, if I give you the initials TW, um, our, our old friend Dave suddenly got very excited in the bottom of our <laughs> Um, but something we have not covered on the podcast at all, uh, everybody knows about Ted Williams and his hitting uh, across baseball. We've covered it to quite some degree here. But um, Luis Arias, I'm never sure how you pronounce his name. When you're talking about history being made, Richard, Luis Arias uh, plays for the Marlins and he is still on course to be causing Ted Williams' hitting uh, record a little bit of concern. Uh, over the coming months. So I think we're, uh, I've got some stats here. I took a screenshot. This was the 10th of June. So it's moved on a little bit. Um, but Luis Arise was um, batting over 400. He was 403 on that date. I believe last night, it came up during the White Sox commentary that he was on a point, I think, 398, which is effectively 400. But just, Richard, while you were covering off history being made, it's definitely worth noting um, that that man is having a hell of a season. He must be one of the best hitters, if not the best hitter in baseball just now. I'm not sure if anyone's 
uh, caught sight of him over the last few weeks. We've uh, the White Sox have yet to come up against them. He he, I think I'm pretty sure he was either with the Twins or the Guardians last year. Um, because I do recognise him sending us all over the park last year, but um, that man is on course for a, a hell of a year. Yeah, and he actually got back up to 400. I know you mentioned it, it briefly dipped down to, I think, guys say 397 or 398, but he went five for five against the, the Blue Jays just earlier this week as well. So he's, yeah, absolutely sensational. Again, the, the challenge is always, can he do what the Splendid Splinter did and maintain that over the course of an entire MLB season? Uh, we are yet to be determined. Uh, I think... Three of the four of us would like to see him go close, I'm sure, for the excitement uh, value of it as well. But yeah, it's just fantastic. Fantastic to watch. And yeah, uh, let's see. We're seeing some hitting of that quality when we get to the the Olympic Stadium, West Ham's home stadium, to watch the Cardinals against the Cubs. And and, and Alan, I I wanted to come to you first because you don't have skin in the game in terms of... uh, you know, I, I know Dave Jr., being a White Sox man, might know who he wants to win. But, Alan, who are you going to be cheering for with the Cardinals against the Cubs? Yeah, Dave's a good friend of mine, so I'm, so I'm slightly wary of what, what, what I say here. And, and he had this sort of opposite experience for me. So I holidayed in Chicago in September, October 2017, I think it was, when they won the World Series. So I was actually in Chicago uh, for some of their playoff games. And I'd been to a few baseball games before. I think the Dodgers might have been the only major league game. And when I was in Chicago, I went to a few different sports. And I had a vague notion of trying to get playoff tickets. But, um, yeah, my budget didn't quite extend to the cost of those. Not not surprisingly, now that you understand the whole thing better. So uh, I'm potentially going to credit the Cubs with introducing me to uh, this great enjoyment of baseball. Um, and, I, and if I didn't have better reasons to support the Tigers, uh, I may well have ended up as a, as a Cubs fan. I do have a lovely royal blue Cubs cap with a red C on it. Um, the, the, I thought the colours looked quite nice as well, actually. Uh, <laughs> I'm not convinced I'm going to wear it on, on Sunday. I don't know if I want to be uh, showing colours rooting for one particular theme. But no, um, the, the Cubs are, the Cubs to me will always be iconic. Um, so I, I, I think I'll be root, root, root for the, the Cubbies. Okay, thanks for that. Alan. Yorkshire Dave, are you going to be following Alan's example or are you going to be uh, rooting for the Cardinals? <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll be uh, well. Well, first of all, I can't um, not come in on uh, and thank Dave for mentioning uh, <laughs> Sir, Sir Ted. Uh, yeah, Splinter, as you said, uh, it's just certain statistics. Even if you're not a stato, there's certain numbers that you need to know. And again, I've deliberately not checked this, so and uh, I've got a horrible feeling now after saying that I'm going to get it wrong, but. I think Ted Williams, um, he was only just over 400, was he? I'm going to say 406. So I'm sure somebody will check that now. There's, you know, certain other numbers and being a cricket fan, um, you sort of average, uh, you sort of really good test player will average around about 
50 runs every time he goes to bat. And um, you know, Joe Root, the uh, former England captain, is um, averages just under 51. Steve Smith, the great Australian, is uh, around about 60. And um, really, that's it, apart from one guy, Sir Donald Bradman, the great Donald Bradman. And again, I've deliberately not looked this up, but in his last at-bat, he was averaging 100 runs every time he went to bat in test cricket. And um, in his last bat, I think it was an, on tour in England, he only needed four runs in his uh, last appearance um, to finish his career with a 100 average. And I'm pretty sure he was out for a duck. <laughs> and his career test average is, and I'll let somebody look this up, 99.94. And given that the nearest batsman in the history of cricket, um, I think the best average after that would be something like about 62, 63. Uh, probably a Yorkshireman, Herbert Sutcliffe. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it just, it just shows it. So yeah, that, it, if if um, if this guy does do 400 this year, and he's playing virtually every game, isn't he? We're almost halfway through the season. So yeah, what an achievement that would be in, a, in an era when um, I think batting average is coming back a little bit, but the, um, the concentration the recent years has been more on the power hitters, isn't it? So they don't bother too much about the average as long as you're hitting their home runs and get you know batting in the in the runs. So yeah, I always like to look at the batting averages. They've yeah, been voting uh, this year, and obviously you vote for something. No, I don't vote for. A, a Red Sox guy in every position, but you tend to favor your own players. But um, when you get the voting card, you can have a you can you can order the players by home runs, average runs batted in. Um, so I always have a look at the average, and I'm, I'm impressed by uh, anyone who's got a batting average above 300. So yeah, I hope he does do it. You know, it's time it's time it happened. Um, yeah, so that that was a yeah, not even mentioned the Cubs, but yeah, I'll be I'll have my Cubs hat on as well, which I bought in Wrigley Stadium uh, twenty odd years ago. Oh, I've got quite time. a few hats, so I don't really, I'm not really sort of a great hat wearer, but you've got to wear one to a baseball game, haven't you? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's interesting you mentioned Don Bradman. Yeah, absolutely far and away the greatest batsman cricket's ever seen. But a good comparison with Ted Williams, because Ted Williams was offered the chance to stand down for the final game of the season where he hit 406, because he was batting 400 going into that final game. And he said to him, listen, they were aware of the historic significance. You can sit out as a doubleheader against the A's and you'd be safe as, as safe as houses. You'll get your 400. Ted Williams, being the man he was, said to himself, no, no, thank you very much. I'll go out there. And he went six for eight, uh, getting his average, not just protecting his 400, but taking it all the way up to that historic 406. So what a fella, Ted Williams. Uh, I have to yeah. say, you're a brave man saying you want somebody to challenge that. Yorkshire Dave, you won't be sure you're facing Boston again anytime soon uh, if, he, if he goes on to goes on to do it. But I'll well, just see I'm, go, go on, you going, Dave? Yeah, sorry, no, I mean, uh, he'll... You'll never take away the fact that, you know, the player that he was. Um, but, uh, you know, and there's certain 
there are certain records in baseball because the, the, although it's still the same game, um, you know, some of the pitching records will probably uh, be broken because you don't get pitchers playing quite so many games as as they used to do. But I, I, I genuinely do think it would be a good thing for the game. Maybe if he finishes up with uh, 405, <laughs> that would be ac- acceptable in uh, in. Boston, maybe not. <laughs> well, no, that'd be, that'd be the perfect side. Let somebody else do 400, but make sure they don't climb above <laughs> uh, above Ted. Uh, I must say, from my point of view, just to be awkward as always, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be rooting for the Cardinals, I think. They're, they're one of these teams that, uh, you know, they, were, they are such a historic team. And I think as a relative newcomer to baseball, it's something you maybe don't appreciate because in recent years, they've perhaps not quite been the force they were. But they've they've won one more World Series than any other team apart from the Yankees. Uh, you know, and they've got a really storied list of baseball greats in there as well. And I do remember when I first started watching baseball, probably back in the era it was on Channel 5 in the UK, I do remember Mark McGuire uh, setting a single-season home run record back in, in, in the late 90s as well. So that was something I enjoyed a great deal. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I may be that I may be joining forces with, with Dave Jr., who may well be looking at the cheating uh, for the, the people taking on his crosstown rivals. Thanks, Richard. That's very kind of you. Um, do you know what? I'm not massively swinging either way. I probably will go towards the Cardinals purely for a, a wee bit of banter. Um I've got to admit, the National League is still a little bit of a mystery to me. It still feels like in a foreign league, and I, I don't really know too much about the Cardinals, other than whenever anybody in America mentions their name, it really has spoken with quite a bit of pride, a lot of heritage behind that particular team. So when you mentioned um, some of the World Series victories there, um, it's, it, it does stand out. Um, I was aware, though, that the Cubs... You know, when we first seen the rivalries, we we witnessed the the Red Sox and the Yankees, and then they started speaking about the you know the rivalry classic, and I thought St. Louis and and Chicago, it didn't really as a non-American, it didn't really ring true to me, but when I was I looked into it, and again I'm sure you might cover some of this off later, um, but it's referred to at times as the Route 66 derby, um, for reasons that probably stand out quite obviously. Um, and it seems that they had a bit of a rivalry, uh, maybe in their heyday, uh, some years ago. So I'm, I don't want to steal your thunder in case that's something for later. Um, I still do have a bit of a soft spot for the Cubs purely because of the colours. Um, but the Cardinals, oh, they've got a, they've got a cool logo. They've got the bird on their jersey. That's something that I'm sure would lend themselves towards Dave as well. Um, anything with a kind of cool animal. Uh, within their name or the logo, that's. But I'm really looking, just looking for reasons to try and support St. Louis now, uh, Richard. Because yeah, yeah, I think the the rivalry part of me automatically wants to see the Cubs lose. But I don't think that's massively held in America. I don't think there's a massive rivalry between the likes of the Mets and the Yankees, um, or you know the Cubs and the White Sox. It's not like in Scotland where you're from Glasgow and you support one team or whoever is playing your rival. Um, I don't think it really works like that. It's more of a city support. Um, so although a White Sox fan may not necessarily be cheering the Cubs on, I think there's still a bit of goodwill towards towards the rival, and it's more of a city pride rather than you must detest your rival. So I think it's quite friendly. Um, 
you know, we've spoken about it before. The Cubs, if you're looking out with the commercial markets, the, you know, the big names that are known in the UK, the likes of the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. I think the Cubs might be one of the more well-known teams. You know, our friend that came to the podcast before, Father Zoe, explained to us why that was with the Cubs being across national TV. I think that that perhaps carried out throughout yeah, America, but also translated well to, to the UK as well. So I think the Cubs have got a good following here, uh, more so than probably most, maybe 25 of the other baseball teams, including the White Sox. So I think the Cubs might have the home support from the Brits um, over the weekend. But it'll be interesting to hear your own thoughts about how you see the series panning out. Yeah, I, no, I think you're probably right about that. The Cubs might win the majority of the kind of the local the local support. But yeah, the more I dug into the history of the Cardinals, the more I kind of warmed to them. Uh, always one of the best supported teams as well. I think apart for most of the last twenty years, they've been kind of the the second biggest attendances in the whole of the of the National League. So you know, the, the last year they averaged over forty thousand, and and you know when we think again of how many games there are in a baseball season, averaging a forty thousand crowd, eighty times a season, it's pretty impressive going. So it's obviously a a city that holds baseball very very close to its heart as well, and. Yeah, so I think I think the Cardinals are again an original team as well. One of the teams that's been in its home city for 100, 140 years, more than one hundred and forty years now as well. So for those of us that enjoy the heritage bit of it, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm happy enough for my decision to to back the Cardinals. And he's not quite as historic; he wasn't there uh, in the opening season or anything. But they've actually got a a bit of a veteran who'll be pitching uh, uh, during the the London series this year as well, I believe. Yorkshire Dave, that the Cardinals have got a, an experienced lad on the mound. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, I came across him either earlier this year or the last season when he was um, pitching against um, the Red Sox and Adam Wainwright. And uh, I don't think he's pitched a great deal this year, so I wonder if he's been brought back as a sort of... Um, you know, a sort of nice thing that a club tends to do and uh, bring him over for the trip to, to London. He's he's 41. He's been with the Cards his whole career since 2005, so he's not far off 20 years. And his career record, his, his season record is 3-1 and one this year, so he's probably not started too many games, but his career record is 198 wins against 118 losses. That's a pretty phenomenal record, and 200 wins is a pretty big deal. I think that would worry him. So he, he might get 199 on Saturday. He'll not be pitching the next day to get to, so we'll not see him get 200. But um, yeah, if he if he gets to two, when he gets to 200, he he will join a pretty elite club. You know, make, there are pitchers who have had 300 wins in their careers, but he'd be in the top 100 at that, I think. So, uh, and he sounds like a really genuine good guy, one club guy, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think he's someone to look out for that could be, um, you know, I think that the something to, some a good bit of knowledge to have in your, in your noodle if you get talking to some St. Louis uh, fans, because I'm sure they'll be, uh, be rooting for him big time. Um, but they, they've not had a great season, haven't they? Because they qualified for the playoffs last year. I think they topped the division. And um, but this year, what are they? Um, 
I don't think they're only... Yeah, they've got a losing, losing record. Are they bottom of the division? Um, I believe they are, aren't they? 31 and 44. Um, they are. Yep, they're prop, yeah. propping up the, the central, the National League central. Yeah, so it's looking a bit tougher, though, isn't it? Nine games um, from Cincinnati in the top spot. So... I, I wonder what's happened, and I think having bigged up starting pitching, I did have a little look, and I think it might be the starting pitching has not been uh, quite as good this year, so they're giving up too many runs. They're scoring, um, they're scoring plenty. I think they've got the NLB, NL uh, MVP from last year, haven't they? The, uh, Goldsmith? Uh, I not remember. But, yeah, so they'll, they'll be... Great players throughout the team, and um, yeah, it'd be important for the Cubs actually because they, I think they've won their last three. I think they're only a couple of games off, two or three games off top spot now. So they will be, I think they'll be looking to to win those two, especially against divisional rivals. So. Absolutely, yeah. Which should make it when it's always great to have motivated teams as well, isn't it? It's, uh, so it should be a really enjoyable experience for us. And it's not the bullpen's first outing to MLB London, but perhaps we might have to look at our passports in a couple of years' time when MLB have pledged to bring a series to Paris. Ooh la la, we say. Uh, we like the one we'd look, we'd look forward to, I think. And if we can get our passports in order, and if the rest of Europe will, will have us back after Brexit, uh, then we that could be a trip that we could potentially... Look at as well, Alan. Does a does a, a joint to Paris float your boat? A random trip to watch sport overseas. I'll, can I take about a millisecond to think about that one, Richard? <laughs> um, yeah. The, interestingly, I mean, it's it's a big thing now. American sports, and we've talked about this before, are growing appreciation for them, but they market themselves well. But the Detroit Pistons actually played in Paris. Well. That may be a misnomer because they play. They were playing the Bulls and got absolutely pumped. Um, but they they played in Paris earlier this year as part of the NBA International Series or whatever they call it. And uh, I think I've mentioned before the Detroit Red Wings are actually playing in Stockholm uh, as part of the Global Series for um, the uh, the NHL as well. So it's. Um, it, it's it's great to see. I mean, yeah, I think a trip to Paris would, would be would be pretty good. I'm sure we we would be up for that, and uh, we can obviously take the train over there as well. Of course, of course. Dave Junior, is that one that, that appeals to you as well? Ah, as the French would say, Richard Wunderbar. Thanks, Dale boy. Yeah, I, I think that's, and I wasn't aware of that until you mentioned it earlier, Richard, but. That sounds that sounds right up our street. I mean, France, not too. You know, we've done similar trips you know, further field. Um, that sounds perfect. That sounds really, really interesting to go ahead. Any rumours of who the teams may be, or any links to Fr France at all? I don't know. I can't think if baseball will be pretty big in France if they've had big superstars over the years. Thai France. The Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> That's surely a challenge with us to look out some names, to find some names with 
French connection we could possibly think of. And uh, Yorkshire Dave, I was thinking exactly the same thing. I don't know if that's a, a compliment or a concern for your sense of humour, but indeed it would be right up our boulevard, no doubt, a little trip uh, across across the channel. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess from MLB's point of view, the commercial opportunities, Paris and all of the world's great cities, huge population, great stadia, great travel links and stuff like that. You can see how it makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, I think this is maybe they're planning to go to Japan that same year and potentially South Korea from memory. But yeah, it looks to be a real year of of travel or MLB as well. And that's uh, one I think we could definitely, definitely enjoy. Dave Jr., were you looking to come back in there? No, I was actually just looking at the website there. So the year after Paris, it's down for Dordrecht the year after. <laughs> <laughs> For those that are unaware, Dordrecht's the home of one of our, uh, one of the, there's got a few Dutch teams where we, we like to keep an eye on, but we've got a particular soft spot for uh, Dordrecht, given our, our previous trip there. Uh, I really like to think we played no small part in an important victory for them that day. Is that right, Yorkshire, Dave? <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, the French like their food as well, don't they? So it was a Michelin starred restaurant that way um, we uh, enjoyed in the stadium just before the game and uh, we were royally treated by the people of FC Dordrecht you know we really need to go back there on one of these days so it was fantastic oh absolutely absolutely well we've got an amazing weekend of baseball to look forward to and a chance for some of us for actually most of us sitting here to put our own team's various troubles and disappointments behind us for a couple of days to focus on the Cardinals and, and, the, and the Cubs. Uh, from my point of view, the Mariners, as always, it's the hope that kills you. I came into this season with huge hopes and huge expectations, and it's just fizzled out. We just don't seem to be able to break out of that pack, and if anything, we're kind of continuing to drift slowly, slowly backwards as, as well, that the team hasn't kicked on. Uh, from last season, a number of reasons, but you know, we mentioned that the pitch, pitching has been quite a strong season for pitching, a lot of strikeouts, and the Mariners are, are really a fastball club now, both in terms of what they're best at hitting and, and what they're best at pitching. And sliders are absolutely killing the Mariners. They are so noticeable that they're, they're just failing to deal with sliders. And what happens, obviously, in that case is once other teams notice that you're struggling against a certain pitch. Uh, what they're going to throw a lot more of sliders, so we've got to find a way to get out of that out of that rut. But it's uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see where the rest of the season goes. But we're we're already, I think, too far back, barring a really incredible run uh, to be threatening threatening the the Rangers currently at the top of the the AL West, and actually they look like they might have the stamina to to do it. I might have been right that the Astros would be slightly less impressive in previous seasons, but I hadn't necessarily predicted that the Rangers would step up. Not phrases I always like to ever like to say, but Rangers would step <laughs> and have such a great a great season. Uh, this one as well, but uh, Alan, I know you touched briefly upon the Tigers. Uh, you're, you're seeking all the Tigers. Is uh, coverage seems to find a silver lining among the clouds. If I read the MLB reports, then then definitely. But yeah, it's um, the silver lining as a Tigers fan is that um, even with the losing record, I think we're ten games behind five hundred or something like that. But um, it still means that 
there's a good three nights a week you're waking three mornings a week you're waking up to a victory um Miggy's got back on a wee bit of form he's been hitting a wee bit he's a slow start to the season so his final season they're going going a wee bit better In, injuries have plagued the Tigers um I think AJ Hinch is doing a good job uh but yeah if it's a rebuild we're going to be building we're going to be there with building that uh the chapel in Barcelona what is it it's, They've never quite finished yet, isn't it? I think that's that's what it feels like with the Tigers. Yep, the Sagrada Familia uh, well. Barcelona. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, what we do have, though, is one of the regular occasions, quite regular occasions, where bullpen bros are being pitched, so to speak, against each other with the Red Sox and White Sox about to clash uh, a short, in a very short period of time. So we'll go first, I think, to, to Dave Jr., to, to find out whether he reckons it's, uh, Chicago will emerge triumphant from that intra-bullpen battle. Um, I can't say that I've seen too much of the Red Sox this season, Richard. Um, again, I, f- I feel that the White Sox have been hit and miss. <clears throat> I know the question is more about the Red Sox, but based on, on recent White Sox, <clears throat> so excuse me, uh, based on more recent White Sox performances, there's absolutely no change in the last two weeks as to the, the two weeks prior, the two weeks prior to that. Um, again, my thoughts are it's just such a weak division that a bit like Alan when he says he wakes up every morning and there's a little bit of hope there. Even the White Sox that have struggled recently with the schedule, we're still only like five games back. Sometimes you can win a game and just, uh, I think one day last week, we lost 2-1-1 and we still found ourselves four and a half games back of, of the lead. Again, I don't see Detroit as a team to win the division. I, I would be quite happy to be proven wrong. I feel like I keep saying that week after week. I think that the Twins or the Guardians, personally I think the Guardians if they choose to go on now and win the division, they will. If the White Sox just need to get their act together but as Lucas Giolito said in an interview recently, very bluntly but very honestly, he says we're just playing bad baseball. We can't seem to get things together at all um, and taking that in mind to actually answer your question about the White Sox Red Sox game um, I don't know what way it'll go. We seem to be competitive in all games recently. Uh, we've had some great series against the Mariners, the Dodgers, um, really tough venues to go to. We've been competitive up to that eighth, ninth inning. And then for by hook or by crook, there's been a reason that we've lost the game. It's just been a, a, a poor defensive error or uh, someone coming into the game from the bullpen and losing it. And you know, on the flip side of the coin, when we win games... It's really important in baseball, you need to get some wins where an easy win will sound perhaps a little bit alien to a lot of UK football fans. But in baseball, blowout wins are quite common. You can get that and you can feel that your team can loosen off for those last couple of innings and feel a bit more relaxed. With the White Sox, it feels like every game goes to the ninth. You're looking at one or two run games and there's a whole lot of stress sitting in that team. Um, so much so that when a team seems to take the lead against us early, it's, it, the game's over um, and our offence really just packs it in. So I'm not too sure how the Red Sox have been competing recently. Uh, it looks as if the, the series is going to be tied against the mm-hmm. Twins, uh, as we mentioned. Um, I, I think the White Sox have done quite well against the bigger ticket teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox recently. Uh, we've done quite well, whether or not they just tend to step up thinking that those games are going to be on a, a more national level, more exposure. 
Um, I, I can't remember if this particular series is three or four games, but I'd be surprised if it was uh, a sweep for either team, which of course means that the the, the Red Sox will win 3-0 by the end of the weekend. It is indeed a three-game series, and thanks for that, uh, Dave Jr. as well. Uh, and Yorkshire, Dave, uh, you know, we mentioned there that you're, you're splitting that four-game series with the Twins, but but prior to that, you swept the Yankees, which is always an enjoyable experience for a Red Sox fan as well. So you're hoping that actually that kind of that's the momentum that you're going to be bringing to your series with the White Sox. Exactly. Yeah, and I think we did say um, in our last podcast, looking ahead that it was going to be important, those two series against the Yankees, because they're a team that, um, you know, if they want to qualify for the postseason, then they're going to have to finish above the Yankees. And, um, yeah, they took five games out of six, and um, they swept them at Fenway um, with a combined score. (laughs) I'm going to rub it in. (laughs) A combined score of 25-8. So, um, yeah, the Yankees have gone very, very quiet. Obviously, they were without Aaron Judge just now, but are they? Well, I never thought of them as being a particular one-man team. Is obviously important. But, um, yeah, so um, so they went on a winning streak of six, and that was after, um, that was after they dipped under 500 again. So, unfortunately, they, they have been very inconsistent this this season, so you don't. He's still. We're almost halfway through, and he still don't know really what to make of them. Um, are they going to be in contention? Um, they're only something. Even with these two defeats, I would say they're two, probably two and a half games back from the wild cards. So that you are in contention at that point. So. If they can remain at that level within striking distance by the trade deadline, then you would like to see the ownership and the front office back their team and, you know, go for a couple of trades that's going to help them not only get to the playoffs, but um, be in contention Conversely, if you dip below 500 again and um, you're you're out of it, then you could see the opposite. You could see them trading some of their sort of more veteran players. Um, so it's it, it is really very very difficult to to really predict what's going to happen. And sorry, we couldn't sweep the Twins and help uh, um, the White Sox and the Tigers out, but um, I've just had a lot. I wasn't watching the game today because um, we're sort of preparing for the weekend, and uh, we're actually we're actually going to Brussels after London on the Eurostar. So um, yeah, so we're getting ready for that. But I see that the um, the Minnesota pitcher pitched uh, a complete game. Is it Joe Joe Ryan? And um, the Twins have won the game six to nothing. Yeah, he pitched uh, all nine innings, only gave up three hits in the entire game, struck out nine. So that's pretty amazing. And and looking at now, I've watched quite a lot of um, Red Sox this season. And I thought when I was looking at the box score, I thought I was looking at the 
uh, twins pictures because I did not recognize either one of these guys. So they went in with an opener um, who promptly gave up four hits and three earned runs in his one innings pitched and, uh, and then pitched out of the bullpen a couple of guys who I'm not familiar with. So this is probably down to the fact that they've had some, some more injuries themselves. And uh, I was mentioning before we came on air, um, one of the young pitchers, Tanner Houck, got hit in the face from a comebacker and he's got a um, a fracture of cheek bone in his face. So he's going to have to be, um, he's going to have to go through some surgery, but they are hoping he's going to be back later in the season, but it could have been a lot worse. But uh, nevertheless, after Chris Sale picking up another injury, I obviously spoke to last time when I was saying I actually said the words Chris Sale can we say Chris Sale is officially back after he'd um, you know pitched really well in his three or four starts and then he's picked up a, a fresh injury a shoulder injury which is not connected with the other stuff he's had so yeah he's on the IL 60 which does not um, bode well for the rest of the season so if they can remain in contention you could see them potentially go for a, um, a starting pitcher at the deadline. But to do that, they would really have to give up some of their young prospects in the trade. And this is part of the problem. You know, the, the podcast that I listen to, they don't think that the front office is Heim uh, Bloom, who came from uh, Tampa Bay, he, they don't feel that he's going to be prepared to do that. They're looking for the future. Um, they've got quite a few good players, a couple of good pitchers in uh, Bayo and Whitlock. They've got Jaron Duran in the outfield, Tristan Cass at first base, and a couple of other guys who are coming through the system. So, But they're not patient in Boston. They think they should have a good farm system and also be a spending the money to um, to get quick wins, quick championship wins. So uh, we'll see. It's never dull uh, with Boston. <laughs> no, that's definitely true. And on that note, and I have to say, given we've managed to talk about Ted Williams and you've managed to talk at length about a sweep against the Yankees, it's little wonder that Yorkshire Dave has a smile as wide as the Thames. We're all in the Highland bullpen looking forward to our trip to London. We'll report back on the adventures we have down there and look back on what's sure to be an exciting series between the Cardinals and the Cubs. Until then, for Alan, for Dave Jr. and for Yorkshire Dave, this is me, Richard, signing off, and we'll see you next time on the Highland bullpen. Woo! <laughs>